Let's talk about something kind of disturbing, kind of, uh, it's just hard to believe, but a female researcher uh, that was doing some some research uh, through her avatar was sexually assaulted on a metaverse platform owned by Meta. That's also Facebook. They've changed their name. And that makes her the latest victim of sexual abuse on Meta's platforms. That is according to a watchdog. Um, this is such a weird story. I thought we would bring Carmi Levy on to discuss exactly what this platform is. It's called Horizon World. Carmi Levy is a tech expert and friend of the show. Carmi, welcome back. Good to be here, Kelly. Disturbing, I think, is the perfect word to describe this. We've been seeing a kind of a, a, a growing list of reports, and they all sound disturbingly similar since this thing first launched in uh, December, even beforehand when it was in data. In November, we started seeing reports, uh, and every time they come out, the company just says the same thing. You know, we have safety features in place. Uh, please don't turn them off. Uh, we do our best to ensure a safe environment. Uh, and yet nothing seems to change. It's almost like the, the virtual world is echoing the real world. People can be, uh, you know, exhibit be horrible behaviors regardless of where they are, real or virtual. Well, let's talk about this. The Meta's <laughs> social networking platform, it's called Horizon World. What happens in Horizon World? How does it work? Can you explain how you enter it? Yeah, so basically what you do is you put on one of those virtual reality uh, headsets, in this case, an Oculus headset. Of course, Facebook, the company, Meta, they own Oculus, they bought it. Uh, and that is the key technology to entering the metaverse. You put it on and you enter this three-dimensional immersive world where you can walk around, you can talk to other people, you can interact with other people, uh, almost as if you're in the same virtual space. Um, so it's kind of like social media on steroids because rather than just exchanging sex messages, you can actually see their avatars you can interact with them. You can re even reach out and touch them virtually if you want. And that's kind of where the problem here lies is that, uh, you know, that, that, that virtual world doesn't seem to have the same kind of protections that we would like uh, to keep us safe. But wouldn't anything, any kind of contact you would have, wouldn't that, now correct me if I'm wrong, this might, might make me sound like a Luddite, but wouldn't that have had to have been programmed in to yeah. the computer by somebody in advance. So if we're talking about a virtual rape, then that actually was programmed in by someone, no? Exactly. Like it was allowed to happen by the program. The algorithm determined that this could occur. In other words, it didn't stop people from physically interacting with each other in the virtual world. And that's really part of the appeal of the metaverse is that uh, it's almost like social media. Like they want you to interact. They want it to feel like it's the, it's real. They want you to feel like you're actually standing in front of someone having a conversation with them, going to a virtual bar, having a real conversation within a virtual space, because that fidelity is what sells it. If you feel like you're part of this immersive world, you're more likely to stay in it. You're more likely to continue to use it, as opposed to if it's a only a half-baked solution without all of these interactive features built in, you're probably not going to want to go back. So the scenario with this researcher is the researcher was going in to you know, see how um, everything worked here. And so she enters via her avatar. She's invited into a private party and, uh, the users in the same room ask her to disable a setting that prevents other people from getting within four feet of her. And then they say that the, they, they can see via video, cause there's a link that the researcher's avatar is then seen, um, I guess her space is being invaded by ma a male avatar and another one standing nearby watching. They've got a bottle of alcohol is being passed between the two guys and um, they're making lewd comments on the video. And then she is led into another room 
where she is, her avatar is, um, sexually assaulted by another avatar who, uh, and there are other avatars watching through a window. It's a terrifying, like virtual scene. But just as she said that even though it's happening virtually, she could feel, um, via her, her controller vibrations of when the male avatars, avatars touched her. So there was mm-hmm. a physical so- a sensation happening. She said one part of her brain, she's like, what is going on? The other part of saying this is not real. Another part of saying stick around because it's important research. What kills me about this as well is there's victim blame and blaming going on. There are people, I was reading it on Reddit today saying, why did she disable? Why didn't she take off her headset? Is this even, um, sexual assault? Is the, I mean, there's so many questions that are mm-hmm. being raised and I don't know, uh, where I stand on them because this is all new territory. It is a somewhat dangerous notion to assume that just because this is playing out in the virtual space, that it is not a real crime and that it is not something that is worthy of uh, pursuing and addressing and resolving. Uh, or the fact that simply because we can take it off, um, you know, you know, essentially bail out of that virtual environment as that behavior starts to happen, that that's the answer that, you know, we need to have. Essentially, every woman will be on notice that anytime she enters a virtual space, as soon as this happens, her programmed reaction should be mm-hmm. turn it off, which is unacceptable. And and you know the, the the fact that that is allowed to occur and it isn't being addressed at a, a causal level uh, suggests very clearly that this kind of abuse will continue. And it is right. every bit as every bit as real as anywhere else. Uh, you know we, we don't allow this kind of abuse to play out on existing social media platforms. Why is it acceptable in the metaverse? And the fact that we're not making a bigger deal of it now, and that uh, companies like Meta aren't having their feet held to the fire on it to me is just as disturbing as the fact that this behavior is occurring in the first place can the people that committed the virtual act be identified and then you know banned or is it next to impossible because you're talking about a virtual space where they could just invent another avatar well, I mean, they, they certainly could, and there's certainly ways to to stay below the radar. But I would assume that you know, just kind of looking at what I what I know about Horizon World is that users have to authenticate in that their IP addresses are tracked, that it is somewhat difficult to shield that information, and that Meta, the company, has a pretty good idea of who's uh, participating in its uh, environments and how they can be, uh, you know, held to account in much the same way that if we violate the terms of use of an existing online platform, metaverse or no metaverse, uh, we would expect to be sanctioned because those who create that technology know exactly who we are. It's exactly the same logic in a metaverse, and I'm not quite sure why these individuals aren't being held to account. Yeah, what is uh, Facebook saying or Meta saying? Well, they're essentially saying, you know, we, you know, it, it's they've rolled out the usual PREs uh, and you know, marketing people to essentially say we want everyone to have a safe uh, experience. We do have safety tools in place. Please do make yourself familiar with them. Again, not addressing the fact that they're allowing this kind of abuse to take place at all. Uh, essentially, shifting the onus onto those who would be victimized to say mm-hmm. you should be doing more to protect yourselves, which to me is uh, not only disingenuous but unacceptable. Yeah, besides the uh, virtual abuse that went down, it's making this space unpalatable. Uh, it's, it's making it I- exclusionary. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's one of the reasons why, for example, why uh, not everybody uses Twitter. Twitter is a lot smaller than all the other social media platforms because it too had quite the reputation in the early days as being a, a place where it was wide open. And uh, if you weren't careful, you, know, you were subject to this kind of abuse, obviously different because it's a different kind of platform, but it's that same logic playing out and to see it happening now 15 years later and sort of the same, you know, shrug, let's just ignore it and move on kind of response. To me, it's kind of sad. It suggests that in a decade and a half, we haven't learned anything, um, mm -hmm. and that Facebook is going to get going to get away with exactly the kind of of uh, of, of sort of behaviors that Facebook uh, got away with in the early days, and that's what allowed the, both companies to grow to the extent that they have. You know, Carmi, I wasn't going to bring this up, but you brought up Twitter. So, if we could very quickly just touch on this before I mm -hmm. uh, let you go. Uh, Elon Musk being sued by uh, Twitter shareholders. We talked about this earlier on that there was a threat of being sued. They're going ahead because of their share prices. He, they allege that he um, basically drove them down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct? he didn't. He he didn't file the right papers in time. Uh, he filed. Uh, he he made the wrong disclosures. He waited too long to do so, uh, which then suppressed the value of the shares and essentially cost shareholders money. So this is the first you know, major lawsuit that we're seeing. But I've been saying all along. I mean, almost as soon as he announced that he was buying the company, he kind of knew that it would almost be a free for all for those to weigh in um, and to go after him illegally. So you know, the game begins now. Um, and I would expect other lawsuits to play out going forward. He doesn't have a good reputation with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Of course, they've already sanctioned him in the past or the past number of years over things that he has tweeted that have affected share values. Uh, and then he subsequently ignored what the SEC has told him to do. So uh, he almost doesn't care. Uh, this lawsuit will play out and there will be others to come. And this messy deal for him to buy the company just got a little bit messier. Carmi, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. It's interesting stories that uh, we've touched on today, and I think really important ones moving forward into the virtual space. Thank you so much. Agreed. Always great chatting with you, Kelly. Thanks. Cheers. Carmi Levy is a tech analyst and journalist and friend of The Kelly Cotrera Show.